Welcome to episode number 83 with Alpha Mike, your host on Radio Cop Nation. Today we discuss the off-duty officer with our superhero co-host, Kilo Sierra. So we have a lot to unfold here. I really don't know about the course because this is a course that Kilo Sierra created for the off-duty officer. And it is his curriculum. He will be teaching it, as I said, down in Palm Beach, Florida. And during the early part of the month of May, he'll give us more detail and specifics on where and what times he'll be teaching. And so I'm just like you. I'm an audience member today, and I will be learning as we go along. How do you get in contact with us? Well, through RaiderCopNation.com. You scroll all the way down to the bottom. The icons come up, and that's all our social networking where you can program, connect with us. Our job, our role, our duty, our responsibility is to mentor. And who do we mentor? We mentor an audience from a vast majority of superhero co-hosts. We encompass the law enforcement field from corrections to police, and we come with a whole bunch of experience. We bring that experience to you, the listener, so you can grow. So if you're thinking about a career in law enforcement, if you know somebody that wants to get involved in law enforcement, if you were a part of law enforcement, if you are retired and grouchy like I am and you know everything like I do, then this is the program for you. We are always listening we are always learning from different topics as well but we give back to the community now speaking of giving back it's time for the leadership quote of the day today our leadership quote is Where there is no vision, there is no hope. George Washington Carver. Where there is no vision, there is no hope. And on this program, I'm always saying you need to think out of the box. Because if you're thinking in the box, you're thinking like everybody else. Therefore, if everybody's thinking the same, there's nobody thinking. Thinking out of the box. So I love that quote, and that's our leadership quote of the day. Where there is no vision, there is no hope. And we have a lot of hope in what we give you here on the program every week. Also, don't forget, AWOL Monday, every Monday, we throw out a new testimony, a new inspirational episode on God's Word Less than 15 minutes, so don't be scared. For those churchgoers on Sunday and easily going over the wall, a wall Monday, will bring you back to your spiritual growth with 15 minutes or less. And you can find that on RaiderCopNation.com and hit the little icon that says Test Everything 1521. There you can catch our latest podcast. Hurry, because after 90 days, they erase and they disappear into infinity. But God's word never, never fades away without purpose. Today I'm excited about this program and what we're going to learn from Kilo Sierra and the off-duty officer. I've come up with my own ideas what this might be, and all of a sudden, whatever amount of time is allotted to his curriculum, I've already got a gazillion hours in my head of what I could have done with this type of subject. Not really understanding where he's going, but we're going to find out, and we're going to do that right now.
And as always, we are blessed by having our super co-host, Kilo Sierra, that is going to come onto the show and explain to us the off-duty officer. Welcome to the show. Why, what a compliment, sir. Thank you very much. Always an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you and being on this show, my brother. And it is our pleasure to have you, and we are enthusiastically sitting patiently trying to figure out what is the off-duty officer. Now, I've got a, got a lot of ideas. It could be this. It could be that. But not until the horse starts talking, I won't know what it is. <laughs> okay. Well, back when I was range master, um, aside from training and uh, conducting training sessions in my department, I would assist other uh, departments with their training programs. And it was a great way to meet uh, different departments and see how they did things differently. Uh, so, I so I have a lot of experience training law enforcement uh, from uh, all the different agencies in New Jersey. And what I was noticing, I would say in the mid 2000s is when I was getting a, a really, really busy uh, with all the training. Uh, we would go over all types of training, in-service training, uh, training on target shooting first to hone in our skills, then uh, training uh, from drawing from concealment. And I would bring up the topic with different departments. Uh, so what do you carry off duty? And they would tell me the gun. I'm like, all right, great, great. What, well, by the way, what's your policy uh, regarding your off-duty carry? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm like, you're not sure? Mm. What do you mean you're not sure? Well, I'm not sure. Well, it used to be this and used to be that. Oh, okay. So I would get that a lot where they weren't sure, exactly sure what their off-duty policy was or one department was totally different from another department. And sometimes if, a, uh, uh, if a, let's say, an officer from one department would uh, do a lateral transfer and work for another police department, because you can do that in this state right. without a problem. Uh, they wouldn't necessarily know what their off-duty policy was. So, uh, so I, said, I, I said, you know what? This is a, a need that, I, that I see, not just, not just my department per se, but wherever I go and teach. Because what I wanted to do was um, have a course that covered a bunch of topics because one of the things that, that I wanted to hone in on with officers is that when you have your uniform on or, or if you're in plain clothes, whatever, when you're on duty, quote unquote on duty, your, your sense of awareness is heightened almost automatically. It should be anyway because of what you're wearing, because you're technically on the job. However, many engagements. Uh, that we, uh, that as law enforcement officers, you know, we get involved in uh, engagements of self-defense of, of self and others. They also happen off-duty, and many of us are not in the same level of heightened awareness when off-duty. And that was, and I think that was a huge mistake. Well, that, that that's a huge problem. So what I wanted to do was create a class. Uh, specific, now, I've done hundreds of classes where how to shoot and how to uh, uh, go to run to cover, run behind just the police car, uh, and 90% of a lot of the training I've gone to and I've created initially before this class was all duty related. Right. So I decided, let's let me make a class where we deal with off-duty issues, uh, remind the individual, the officer, uh, and mind you, this also applies uh, uh, for retired officers as well. And also for the concealed carry permit holder too, elements of this class are very, they're very similar. They have a common denominator. And uh, certain things that, that I wanted to touch touch on is situational awareness for them, where uh, as a reminder to, to officers that they need to have the same heightened level of awareness uh, when they are off duty. Then, when, and then, then, then I wanted to, broach the top because I the first part of the class is a lot of classroom. So some of the topics that I want to throw out there, and they're not necessarily right or wrong answers. These are questions that I ask to make the officers think. Like for example, uh, uh, if you are off duty with a family member and you are not the direct victim of a specific assault or an engagement, but you happen to be in the presence of one, what do you do? Mm -hmm. So. You know, uh, what does your department say? Number one, first of all, that's the key. Okay. However, if the department is not clear on that, then what do you do? Uh, if you, especially if you have family members with you, do you get involved? Uh, assuming you're not the direct victim of it. So I would ask questions like that. And we would and we discuss it in the class. And, and it, it comes from some interesting discussion because you'd be surprised at the different opinions you get. Yeah. 
You know, um, so that's those are one of the questions that uh, that I ask in the classroom portion. Another one, uh, you know, just a rehash of the use of force issues and um, and what the department requires uh, regarding off-duty carry and the type of gun, because there are many departments that not only regulate whether you can or can't carry off-duty, but the type of firearm that you're allowed to carry uh, off-duty. So we talk about that uh, also. Uh, certain departments also monitor or um, actually regulate what holsters carry off-duty. Some don't allow shoulder holsters, some don't allow uh, 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 what is it, fanny packs, uh, ankle holsters, and, and, and whatnot. I bring a collection of the different holsters I have, so some of the officers can, during the break, they can look at the different ones that are out there. I try to get the, the most current models uh, uh, so people can see. Mm -hmm. But I recommend for the range portion, I always insist that the officers bring more than one holster because everyone carries, for the most part, a hip holster, strong side hip holster, mm -hmm. whether it's outside the pen or inside the pen, which is fine. Uh, for the most part, 90% of my students do that. However, I do encourage the officers taking my class to bring other types of holsters too, just to see, because you'd rather know, you know, if let's say that some like to carry a shoulder holster or uh, an ankle holster, for example, bringing the ankle holsters to this class in conjunction with the other holster, you can really, really, really see the limitations of an ankle holster. Uh, and, and, and it's, and I would rather have uh, the, the uh, officer see which holsters that they have are actually better for off-duty carry in a classroom training setting than uh, having to figure that out last minute in an emergency encounter off-duty. Right. So I always highly recommend to bring various types of holsters when we do the drills. They can even do the drills more than once with another holster. I don't care. The, the issue is um, I have them shoot in different positions. I also, I, from the prone, the supine position from sitting down in case they fall and have to engage a threat while seated. And you'd be surprised how many of the holsters that are out there, uh, especially the officers have, they're great for your traditional, you know, uh, standing up, drawing from the hip. Mm -hmm. But some of them, when you try to draw from a seated position or you're lying down or you're in a prone position, they pop right out or the gun comes out. So I would rather have the officers figure all these nuances out on the on the range than under a real encounter. Now so, I have a, a, a just to retract back up a little bit. The the first sure. uh, two original points you brought up are very good, and and I started to get a bunch of you know questions. The first sure. one, of course, about the family and do you have a plan? I know that they when you said that there was interesting comments. There might be people that have never had a plan. There are people that might even go as far as saying, well, you know, off the record, I would never engage anybody if I was with my family. Correct. And so Correct. forth. But the bad guy doesn't look at your schedule. When this goes down, it goes down. The officer himself could be the target of right. the, the incident. Right. So... Uh, I, you know, I don't really want to get into what they said because, you know, everybody has a varied opinion on that. But the family members would, would have, in this course, somewhat of an active role. Not as an aggressor, but as a support correct. Of, of the incident, correct? Absolutely. Like, for example, one of the things I recommend, uh, and a lot of courses do the same thing, where you have a code word or, an, or something that you do so that if you're w with your family members uh, anywhere in public, shopping mall, whatever, and you say something, uh, a specific code word that you, you all choose, that they know exactly what to do. They'll know that A, to leave the area because you're probably gonna get involved in something and it might involve a lethal force encounter, and B, uh, to have the family members call 911 and not only uh, describe quickly what's going on, but like I think I've mentioned this in another show, I always tell, I always tell this, the, the, the officer this, if your family member calls in that situation and they're calling 911 to have them help you, make sure they tell the, the 911 uh, individuals uh, what you are wearing. Yes. So that way there's no friendly fire. Correct. So, yeah, so th these are things that go over, and that's exactly right. Uh, because y a lot of officers 
Uh, and it doesn't matter. We're not, I mean, I'm not I'm not pinholing all rookies or or veterans. No, everybody. Uh, you have all these responses from all walks of life, from all levels of experience. But I just wanted to bring everyone back on the level. Right. Uh, you know, just explain. Listen, regardless of whether you're brand new or you've done this for 20 years, make sure you have a plan, especially with your family, because you don't want to wing it. You can't wing it. Well, it's, it's, you made a very good point and when you opened up. You said there is no right or wrong answer. Right. It's their plan. Exactly. And and it's all contingent also. I mean, we could talk about ethically. Uh, however, I, I always want to stress that when we talk about this topic, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, what does the department require you to do? Right. And uh, so some departments have a set policy. Uh, so, so, well, so we talk about that. But some departments are like, well, it's, a, it's up to your discretion. And that's when the, the, the larger conversation happens, where you get different opinions. When, when the department doesn't necessarily mandate that you must respond off duty, especially with uh, family members present. So, so it com comes from a very, very interesting conversation. Now, very the, interesting now conversation. my second question has to do with of the off-duty weapon. And you brought yes. that up, and it was an excellent point. And I didn't, you know, really want to hit you with the, the questions when you were talking. But that's fine. this is something that exists, I think, in every agency all over the country. So the agencies are mostly concentrated on your duty weapon, your duty gear. And they might throw in the secondary weapon that you would carry on duty, maybe on your ankle. Mm -hmm. But... Now there's another issue is the off-duty weapon, what the agency allows and doesn't allow. Some wow. agencies are very liberal as far as as long as you don't need a tax stamp for it, you can wear and carry whatever off-duty. Right. Some a little bit, no, you have to carry your off-duty weapon. But this is mostly for those liberal agencies that allow the officer to you know carry whatever they want. Correct. Now Correct. we look at the other issue is the possible litigation in the future, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So you have people that start thinking about this. You know, the lawyer, the lawyer is going to attack you. So you want to kind of address that issue. And this was always an issue with us because mm -hmm. uh, my agency was liberal as far as your off-duty carry. They didn't care. But then there was, were well, you qualified with that weapon? So right. we would pull our hairs out, try to answer all these questions. Finally, our range master at the time said, listen, this is the way we're going to handle it. If you're uh, certified in Glock for the agency, then all Glocks have the same functionality. So you're certified mm -hmm. in Glock. And we'll right. just move on down. And you can also add that to semi-automatic, you know, right. opposed to revolver. Right. And uh, right. because if not, you, you'd have to retrain or recertify all your officers and all these weapons. And if you've got a couple of tackle berries in your agency, this could get costly. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Because certain agencies will actually um, quantify a list or they'll articulate these are the brands. And these are the actions that you can carry. Because I've seen agencies where it was, no matter what, it was double action only. Right. Um, I've seen agencies where, okay, double action, double single, but not single action only. Um, and if it's a revolver, double action only. Like, I've seen uh, the whole gambit of, of lists. And what many departments still do is that, especially in Jersey, well, you, you want to carry this? Well, qualify with it. And they'll they'll actually have on record the serial number of the firearm and you have to go through both the day and night fire courses and it's articulated in their training records uh that that you, that you actually qualified with that weapon and and, and and it's on the officer to bring the, the uh, ammunition e even if it's just in many departments even if it's the same caliber right uh you if, if it's the off-duty you bring your own ammunition so that so it doesn't cost the agency anything so I, I've seen the, the whole the whole gambit, but it's, as long as it's recorded to, to articulate in your training records, it, uh, I think you, the agency's good uh, as long as they follow their procedure. Yeah, yeah. It all depends on what the agency says. But so far we're on a roll with this course, so I'm going to let you keep on going. I just had those 
Uh, actually, one question and the other one was more of a comment, but I really, I so far, loving what I'm hearing. Oh, great, great. So another topic we talk about um, is uh, the concealment clothing. All, de- all dependent on the, it depends on the weather, on the climate, on your, in your area. Like we have, you know, uh, beaches in Jersey, so there are officers that are on the beach and they wear shorts a lot. So we talk, so that we talk about the type of clothing that's appropriate for for total concealment, and and every every area is different, and and we also have to, you know, when we talk about the clothing, like we mentioned before, <coughs> we have to mention the holster. And certain departments will not allow certain types of holsters. So that's why the first thing I always broach with a lot of these topics is, is A, what does your department do with X, Y, and Z? And then some, some, some people will be like, yeah, my department, you can only do this, this, and that. We'll talk about that. But then many times we're like, well, the department's pretty open about the holster we carry, the, cut, the type of concealment clothing or whatever it is. And we just talk about that topic. Now, this is... Uh, like I indicated before, th- this is a great topic with clothing, especially for the rookie. Um, uh, and this is the part I, I hone in with the rookies because they're new. Right. And, I, and, and I always tell the rookies, like, listen, when you qualify, remember, and I always get flack for this, but it's the absolute truth. Qualification is not training. You know, I, when, you, when you qualify, if you have if uniform or, or your, your normal suit or your plain clothes and your straw, your, your hip holster and it's the uh, you have a certain time frame that shoot X amount of rounds and they're just testing your, your normal level of proficiency where with the off duty, we're talking about drawing from concealment under conditions in which your situational awareness is not as heightened as it typically is. So clothing is clothing and holsters is key next to the fire. Correct. And <clears throat> we'll talk about that. How to draw the firearm from concealment regarding the holster that you carry. And then people with the ankle holsters tend to see how much more work is involved when they have to draw a firearm from the ankle. Oh, yes. Because I, I know, I'm telling you right now, many of the officers that have been in my classes that actually carry a, a, a use of an ankle holster, which is nothing wrong with it, it has the applications. But like a lot of them, when they go to the range, I can tell they've never drawn and fired from their ankle, ever. Yeah. Ever. And they realize, wow, this is hard on me. Yeah, no kidding. It's hard. So if that's going to be your holster option, you better train with it. Yeah, you do have to train, especially the ankle. And that's the whole thing. And that's the whole point. One of the, one of the major points of the course is that whatever holster you tend to carry off-duty that you're allowed to carry off-duty, you need to train with it. Because I guarantee a lot of these officers, they don't, they don't, <clears throat> let's say, um, what, what I always recommend for officers to uh, take it a step further is that they actually do the whole qualification course with whatever off-duty holster they have. Yes. Um, at a bare minimum for, for training. I know, I know some departments actually insist that, or make the officers do that to qualify with their off-duty. If they know they carry a fanny pack, if they know they carry it in, in the waistband, or they know they carry a cross drawer or middle of the back. I know a lot of departments will actually make you ca- uh, qualify with that off-duty holster for their liability. Correct. Our, our agency, if you had a secondary weapon, mm-hmm. um, which we're talking about an ankle holster in, in uniform, you had to qualify. Really? Yeah. So you had to qualify from the ankle. Interesting. Interesting. From See that ankle. that's I think that's great. Yeah. I think that's I, I think that's great. Time that's consuming, but but it was worth sure. it. And you could see a lot of them would, you know, wow, I didn't know all this is and and you know, part of it, it's not easy shooting nope. from a kneeling position. No, it's not. Especially if you got no, bad knees. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's when the drawing from concealment comes into play. Yes, yes. You know? Um, also, I go over um, weapons retention uh, uh, topics. Yes. Because we, we've trained all day on weapons retention if we have a triple retention holster or, or your traditional duty holster or, or, a hip, or your traditional hip holster. But a lot of officers have never – practice weapons retention techniques on a shoulder holster. They've never practiced it in an inside the waistband or a middle of the back holster. 
And these are things that you need to do because statistically speaking, for any law enforcement officer or an individual is actively uh, that's highly motivated and trying to take your firearm from you, at the 85% chance, I think it was, was the stat back a couple of years ago, it's an 84 and 85% chance that the firearm's gonna be used against you. Correct. So we got we talk about weapons retention techniques with your off-duty holsters. Um, another topic we talk about is shooting from cover, shooting from the prone position, and shooting from the uh, the supine position. These are all things in any combative situation. Uh, you're, you're very highly you're, you're very likely to end up on the ground. Yeah, because it's not a perfect world. So uh, we so I I try to cover that point, and we do some basic drills, shooting from the ground, and that is really out of all the things that I've talked about. When you come when it comes to shooting from the ground, whether either prone or supine, that's when the officers really get to know or really get to have an intimate understanding as to whether or not their holsters are any good. Right. And not only that, the, the body dynamics, you're kind of committing your body to a vulnerable position, lying Correct. down or to the ground. Correct. And to, Correct. to defend yourself from that position, you know, your brain's already saying, what are you doing? What are you doing, stupid? You're not supposed to go to the ground. Right, right. You, you don't have, a lot of times you don't have a chance to wait to stand up again, right. which is what I, 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 you, you might have a propensity to do since we were so used to shooting standing up and static position. Yeah. So these are important things. And um, what I also recommend to the officers is that that uh, when they go on their own to practice, many rangers will not allow uh, shooting from from the ground. If they, so, if they don't, but if they don't have the luxury of finding a range where they can actually practice drills like that, then I recommend at least do it uh, with a with a, an empty firearm uh, with dummy rounds, or have an ASP, you know, gun or an airsoft, and practice it uh, at home. Uh, or in an, an area, training area, uh, uh, making sure that the weapon is safe if it's using a real one. But at, at the bare minimum, what I encourage the officers to, to do is train the body to react from the ground. Correct. Because that, that's the key, because we're not used to that. We're, we're always standing. We're always drawing from a standing static position, and that's that, that could be a, a lethal mistake. If, if, if your body isn't trained, to draw from an, what, what I call an, I, I have another class that I, I broached that topic on, it's called the un, unconventional positions or, un, or, or un, you know, or awkward positions as you call it, mm -hmm. where from the seated position, from the table, from the supine position, but these are things that are important because it's never a perfect world. And, uh, um, and that's actually another segue uh, to the training that I want to throw in into the, that I throw into the mix too, is that uh, on that same idea of not being a perfect world where your threat isn't always going to be parallel to you, on, another drill that I incorporate is shooting at an angle, um, either 45 degrees, 90 degrees, or 180 degrees yeah. uh, on the threat. So that's another thing I throw into that in my class also. Yeah, a lot of this is practice and uh, a lot of it is being uncomfortable and just a comment on another position that you mentioned, the clothing. Yes. So now it's summer, you know, June, July. The temperatures is, you know, in the high 90s. And you want to go to your kneeling position, but the asphalt's at 200 degrees. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, these are things that the shooter might not think about. Mm -hmm. But that they're there, and just the opposite. Now it's dead of winter. You know, it's seventeen degrees out, and we've got all these layers of clothing, like you said. Uh, I experienced that in Miami, where it's tropical and warm, but once in a blue moon, it does drop down to a colder temperature. Oh, absolutely! And people over exaggerate. They come out with mittens, gloves, earmuffs, sure, and all this. Sure, because they're not used to it. And, right, sure. And, and working the line that day is like putting your life in your hands. Yes. <laughs> you see him you see him shuffling through all those clothes trying to get a weapon. Yes. It's scary. Yes. yes it is. Yes it is. I've seen that I have seen that my that's a really good point. I've seen that where I've had I've been on a range literally 0 degrees. 0. That's amazing. 
Yes, and you're absolutely right. So that's why the, the clothing is important. And uh, I, I, I recommend practicing with all types of clothing because that, that's the key. It's, it's not going to be a perfect world. It's not going to be a perfect world. And, and situation, circumstances could change. And that's why I also, and I mentioned this in the last uh, program, uh, you need to train with the holster you tend to carry. Yeah. Because if you carry a hip holster, um, I'm sorry, if you, car- if you carry a shoulder holster, I'm sorry, a hip holster, my, my bad. If you carry a hip holster 20, uh, most of the time on duty, and then you switch over to a shoulder rig off duty, you need to practice with that shoulder rig. Yeah. I guarantee you, your reflex is going to be to reach for the hip first, and then all of a sudden, oh, I forgot it's in my shoulder. Exactly. So. And, and practice means training, folks. It doesn't mean staring at yourself in the mirror for 20 minutes and saying, boy, I look good. <laughs> It means exactly. actually training on that evolution. You're absolutely right. And switching around the weapon on the body is never a good thing. No, it's but not. the season dictates where you should be carrying, and that's a personal preference for each individual. Exactly. So, exactly. So on a lot of this, this has a lot, your course has a lot to do with reactional thinking. Yes, and, and and kind of like changing gears depending on what's coming at you. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's and 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 the truth is, we are at a lower for the, for most of us anyway. Can't speak for everybody, but many of us regarding situational awareness, we're at a lower level of awareness when we're off duty, especially when we are with a loved one or family member or friends. Right. We are. And it's just a matter of training yourself to get in the zone, as we as we call it, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and telling your mind, you know, you have no no time to be like, oh, crap, is this really happening? You have no time to second guess yourself. Yeah, you, you, every second counts. That's right. And, and that's really, really prudent off duty because we don't we train all day for on duty. All day for traffic stops, mm-hmm. uh, for, for, for drawing from a triple retention holster, for asking for people's ID when, when we have our badge and a flashlight, and we get out of a, a car, uh, for a parole officer when they go into a parolee's home, what to look for. We, I mean, a lot of the training, which is all necessary, don't get me wrong, I do that too. I do that all day long. I mean, I, I do that training also, but I'm, I'm just, that's, but one of the things I saw is that. There weren't enough training classes in my area anyway, back in, in the mid 2000s, uh, or more departments that weren't broaching that topic of right. uh, 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 having a dedicated off-duty kind of awareness class, and 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 people liked it, and I'm teaching it again in May, this this May. Yeah, so, I, I mentioned that to the audience. Where are you teaching? I'm teaching it at the ILFE conference. That is the uh, for those that don't know, ILFE is the International Association of law enforcement firearms instructors. And they have their yearly training uh, um, uh, over, their yearly conference this year is in West Palm Beach, Florida. And um, uh, I'll be teaching that course on Thursday, May 9th. Uh, it's actually broken down into two separate courses. So it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, you know, our hats go off to you that you're training this course. It shows you. your experience. So. We definitely encourage people, if you have the ability to attend, to attend. Um, you know, one area, if we backtrack a little bit, sure. what we were talking about, agencies fall short, is in this type of approach on training. They basically are training all our officers in uniform carry. Right. And, you know, for example, uh, many agencies, I'll, I'll just say that, you might have an undercover role, you're a civilian role, and so forth, but right. it's qualification day and you show up in uniform. Exactly. Or your agency says, well, bring your tactical uniform because they have tactical uniforms. But that's not the uniform they use every day. That's not the that's holster they're exactly using every day. Right. Exactly. You know? That was my point of contention where do you wear that? Do you wear those 511s? You know, um, when you are going to the theater <laughs> with your family. Yeah, at the beach. At the, at the beach, right. Now, <laughs> I mean, you know you what? Might, you might not. So. No, I do <laughs> want to say the disclaimer. There are some people that are out there listening to this show saying, yes, 
Which is scary. Oh, sure. Are you kidding? They're my favorite pants. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I use them. I use them for all my training. Oh, they're great. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I just use it as an example. Uh, just, just to, 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 like you said, the, the, the quote unquote tactical gear. Like, yeah. are you, are you wearing your tactical gear when you are going off duty, doing things with your family member? And that, and that was the idea that I wanted to broach. Was yeah. that um. You know that okay you I, I want you to come to this class with what you typically wear when you're off duty carrying a fire yeah yeah so, so i mean we hit the mark there the agencies a lot of them do a lot of good um we're not criticizing agencies they can only do oh, what no. they can based oh, no, no, on no, their limitations you know, no, no, that, it's the second point it's two sides of a coin now, you have to have that training uh, and i would say every year at a minimum yeah. uh, uh, for, uh, while on duty uh, uh Traffic stops and uh, uh, for parolees or pro probation officers, you know, going into a, a home and, and have to situational awareness on what to do. No, that, that's a must. Uh, that's a must. But it's two sides of a coin. What, what, what? The, the other, the flip side of that is you, you are also an officer off duty. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's that's why I want to and, and, and with the clothing too. So that, that's why you know I, I really broached that topic is because I think it's a it's a necessity for, for us to uh, to understand that if we are to engage off duty, a what does the department require and b what do I have on my person and, and c like what's my game plan, in a, in a nutshell. The course how how long is the course? Well the. Uh, Tip the at, at ILFE, um, it's going to be two four-hour blocks. Right. So that's how that's how it's going to be broken down. Um, and of course, Palm Beach. So what's going to the, the way I have it scheduled? It's going to be from eight uh, from zero eight hundred to twelve hundred hours, and then from thirteen thirty hours to seventeen thirty hours. Okay. And and that's where it, it's going to be at the. Um, uh, with the Palm Beach, uh, the, the the Palm Beach Sheriff's Office Firearms Training Facility is going to be the range portion, which is an uh, excellent facility. And Palm Beach Sheriff's Office has an excellent facility and very good training. Oh yes, I heard they're they're fantastic. I'm very very looking forward to meeting those individuals, and 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 and, and I've been to ILFE before. I taught this class at the conference, ILFE conference, back in uh, 2013 in Mobile, Alabama. When they, when they had the conference there, and it was very well received. And as as an instructor, I also get to, to sit in training classes, and that's a, a lot of fun too, because I get to meet officers and firearms instructors uh, from all over the world, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, the organization ILFE, what, what does it stand for for some of our audience? Oh, sure, it's the International Association of Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors. Okay, so that's a biggie. Okay. So. Yes. Yeah, and it's a fantastic organization. They, they are the they are a fantastic source for people like you and I, that are law enforcement instructors. They create all types of lesson plans, uh, best practices. Uh, it's awesome. If you're formulating or trying to formulate a new firearms policy, let's say for a department, you could definitely use them as a resource and and, and use their resources and their books as recommended best practices. So they they have all type. They also have publications that articulate uh, every state's uh, qualification course of fire. So uh, you can use that for training. Oh, they are a fantastic organization with incredible resources. They're definitely movers and shakers. This course, I mean, I can see, I could see increasing this course to like a, a gazillion hours because there's so many topics that can go in. Oh, most definitely. And that's the great thing about this class is that right now, the one I'm teaching now is my basic level one where I, what I'm thinking, it's funny that you mentioned that I'm thinking of creating a, an off duty two class where it'll be you know, eight hours or two days, maybe uh, with a more advanced uh, level of off duty uh, considerations uh, with an increase in range drills. I'm actually thinking about that in the future. Excellent. I mean, I I think you're you've hit the baseball out of the park, my friend. And there's so much that you can add on to this, and so much that people can learn. Officers, and I'm not. I hate to criticize, but especially the newbies, they are creatures of habit. Yes. I teach them how to shoot in a standing position and drawing from a duty weapon and duty holster. 
and they kind of get stuck in that mindset. And we always encourage people that listen to Radio Cop Nation to increase their training. Exactly. I, I tell everybody at least once a year, dig into the piggy bank and take a course. Mm-hmm. So you grow. You just don't do the agency thing because literally the agencies are doing it for liability purposes. In other words, exactly. if they could get away from it, they wouldn't do it at all. Exactly. But because exactly. of liability, so you're getting the same type of training repeated every year. Right. And your brain is learning the same thing every year, but you are not ready for the unknown. So you've got to reach out at least once a year, take a course, move that brain, you know, sign up, put some money down. It's for your own life, for your own betterment, and uh, you'll grow. You definitely will grow. Exactly, exactly. Training is key. You have to be the best professional. A, professionally speaking, you want to be the best professional possible. Um, and B, it's to save your life. Right. I mean, I look at, uh, let me, if I can equate it to MMA fighters, you know, right. they know, well, I just do ground. Some of them get involved in learning how to strike, kick, do all type of other types of martial arts to mit- Put it in the mix, so you're you're building and, and creating your craft. Same thing here. You just can't uh-huh. stay with the standard training. You got to increase your training, knowing exactly. your fundamentals, but increasing it. Exactly, and, and uh, exactly. And for those that have, like, I'm rehashing that. For those that have the different holsters, train and qualify with the different holsters. For those that have the different firearms, semi-automatic and revolver, train and shoot and qualify with both sets of. Uh, of firearms because it, 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 they're different. Uh, sh- shooting a revolver is different than shooting a semi-automatic. And, and, and training, training is key. You're, you're just like an MMA fighter. It takes thousands and thousands of repetitions to make a reflex. Exactly. And that is that is so so important. Where uh, uh, that's why even dry firing drills are definitely can augment uh, your range skills. Yeah. You yeah. know. And, Without yes. a without a doubt, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and as I use and as I tell the audience all the time, don't stay a midget. You need to grow, and you need to grow with your training, and you need to grow with your knowledge of the tools that you carry for this craft. Most definitely, and I even say this. I said the same thing when I was a range master, and I still say it now because I train instructors also. Uh, even uh, myself and other instructors, you always. Always must remain teachable. Always. Uh, I go to concentrate. That's what I'm looking for at ILFE conference to going to the different training classes. I can't wait because for me to be a good instructor, I need to be a perpetual student. Exactly. And that's an excellent point you've always bring up. Yes. Yes. I have to be teachable. I love it, first of all. But... which I'm fortunate enough to do something I love. But most importantly is that there's always something new, something different, some new situation that's been broached, a new topic, some new technology, a new use of force law. There's there's so many uh, new uh, things coming up every year, every two years, that it's incumbent on the instructor to keep up with the times. Yes. This has been a great episode, my friend. We have opened up Pandora's box. We've looked inside it, and we see areas of improvement. So yes. we are looking forward. We congratulate you on your on your teaching role that you have coming up. Now the Thank next you. the next episode we got coming up is going to be a big challenge for me and you. We're mm-hmm. going to jump into California's gun laws. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. This this is monumental. This could take. I mean, I got a headache already, and we haven't even started the show. So, oh, yeah. But that's coming up. As always, we are blessed to have Kilo Sierra as he, as uh, Mike Sierra says, and they're not, there's no relation between the Sierra brothers here, <laughs> that uh, thank you for spitting out that knowledge to this audience. I thank you so much. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Time to wrap it up with the nuts and bolts. We've learned a lot about his course, the off-duty officer. It involves a lot of detailed planning from the individual. 
it expands your knowledge. You would have to learn a variety of potential roles that you might be involved in. You might be with somebody like a loved one, a family member, uh, a friend, and you might have to include them in your scenario. You should always have situational awareness, your clothing, the holsters that you use, the different angles and positioning of the body in order to shoot and feel comfortable in those ways. This is not just an eight-hour course. This could be taken as far as you, the listener, wants to take it. The way that my mind works, I've already developed an 80-hour course in this. Why? Because I see the potential in it. As I've always and often said, you cannot stay a midget. You need to grow. And your training is a reflection of what you will do in real life. There are many scenarios. And remember, the bad guy is always looking for the angle that you might not have trained on in order to win. So training and training over and over again will be the success and the victory for you, the listener. Look, I wish I lived in a free world where there was no need for any weaponry because everybody was peace-loving. But you know and I know that that doesn't exist, especially in today's society, regardless of what area on the planet do you live in. Today we live in a society that doesn't care, doesn't have respect for other human beings. You've chosen to wear a firearm on your person, maybe because of your career, maybe because you have raised your hand in support of the Second Amendment and told the forefathers that wrote the Second Amendment, I am the militia you were looking for. Now, with great responsibility and skill, we have to wear that weaponry, hopefully and praying that we never have to use it. But the scripture says and tells us, you prepare my hand for war. Therefore, we need to be prepared for the event. I am so blessed to have such great superhero co-host. Thank God that Kilo Sierra is here. I look forward to looking at his course this coming uh, May. And he will be in Palm Beach, as he said, with the International Association of Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors. I encourage you, if you have the opportunity to look up that organization, of course, if you have the criteria to join, to join, because it's an excellent organization. A lot of civilians believe that there is only one or two firearms organizations out there. But there are a lot of good ones, and they all support one fundamental right, and that's the right of the Second Amendment for you and for me. So therefore, we're all on this one big team. What's up next? Well, we've got Delta Delta, and he's going to come on here. He's going to talk about him, about the corrections, the the forgotten profession in law enforcement. Who exactly? Delta is going to come on, introduce himself, kind of talk over what type of subjects he would like to look at in the forgotten profession of corrections. Then we wrap up the, the month and go into the month of May with the Academy, where Delta Delta will be with us as well. Academy instructor that he was, he will tell us some of the expectations that instructors have versus the expectations that the student cadet has versus the expectation of the community, what they might think. It's going to take us into a journey into the beginning levels of law enforcement, but there's a lot of misconceptions from the community. We're glad that you have been a, a member here, a uh, a supporter of Raider Cop Nation. We continue to bring you this content once a week. Every Wednesday we launch. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, 
tune in, you name it, we're on there, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and we encourage you to listen to our shows. Why? Because we're mentoring. So if you're looking to be mentored by a bunch of old grouchy law enforcement people, then we are the crowd for you. Don't forget that you can always find us on social networking as well on RaiderCopNation.com and, of course, Test Everything 1521, our spiritual training center. This is Alpha Mike reminding you to continue in prayer for yourself, most importantly, for your family, for your community, for the agency that serves you, and most importantly, for the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike, signing out. And guide her through the night with a light from above From the mountains To the prairies To the oceans White with foam God bless America My home